Welcome to Passion Life Church. Today, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Greet somebody around you, say hello, and then you may be seated today in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, worship team. Come on, give them a good round of applause. They did such a great, great job. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks for coming to church today. Thanks for watching online. I believe God has a word for us today. You know, we are concluding this amazing series that we've just entitled, I Can Do Hard Things. And uh, it's been one of my favorite series because it's really spoken to me at tough times. You know, during this series, I remember, I can do all things. And, And let me just say, I really appreciate, you know, over the past nine weeks, a lot of you have texted us. You've emailed us and you've you've told us about how God has helped you and how you have said, I can do hard things. And here's what I want to do. If you have a testimony in the last week that God has done something in your life, would you email us? We're going to put up the email info at passionlifechurch.com. We want to hear your story. We we want to know what God is is doing in your life. And if you're online today, uh, info at passionlifechurch.com and share your story. You know, this series has been taken out of Philippians 4.13 that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My, my church family, can we say this together? Come on, say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can we say it a little bit louder? Come on, say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All right, as loud as you can right now. Ready? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, why can we do all things? Because Jesus actually did them. Jesus actually overcame so we can overcome. And what this series has really been about as you know, sometimes in the hard thing, when life is hard, we don't know what to do. We don't know what we're supposed to do. And so what we've been talking about, there's definitely some things that you can do when there's hard times. And we talked about you can praise God. God is not just looking for people who will praise him you know, on Friday when we get our paycheck. God is not looking for people that just can praise him when things are good. He's looking for people like Paul and Silas that when they were in prison, come on somebody, chained and shackled, they could lift up a praise, a praise that would shake the earth and free all the prisoners. We talked about how we can pray. You know, sometimes when things are hard, that's, we're like, ah, man, I don't want to pray, but we need to pray. And we talked about how Peter was in prison and the church came together, man, and they prayed intensely and that prayer freed him from his prison. We talked about how we can be devoted. You can be devoted in hard times. I'm always amazed how good Christian people, when the enemy comes against them, situations come, instead of being more devoted, they shrink back. And I want to tell you, that's not a way to overcome. Can I hear a good amen today? We talked about how we can change. God can do things differently than we thought. When Jesus came to them walking on the water, they'd never seen anything like that. He brought them to the other side in a way that they had never perceived. And you know what? That's what God wants to do in our lives. We talked about how we can stand. We can make a stand. We talked about how we can speak to mountains, the Bible says. And last week we talked about how we can forgive. And here's why I want to end our series today. I want to talk about how in hard times I can lead and I can be a leader. If you have your Bibles, come on, turn to John chapter 5 verse 19 and hold your your thumb there for just a moment. Does anybody still believe that one person can make a difference? Anybody, anybody still believe that? Anybody? I'm of the persuasion that one person can still make a difference. I mean, when you look inside this Word of God, this Bible, there are so many people who made a difference in their generation. Noah, I was thinking about Gideon, and I thought about Samson. Esther, what about Esther? Come on, somebody. Walked right into the king's chamber unannounced, right? She was brave. She was fearless and she saved the Jewish people. One person saving thousands of people of lives. And can I encourage us today? All it takes is one. Come on, turn to your neighbor, say you're the one. Come on, say you're the one. And you know what I've noticed? I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've noticed this. Have you noticed that in today's world right now, there's a cry for leadership? 
There's a cry for godly leadership. And I believe that there's a leadership vacuum that we're seeing. And you know why I believe that we're seeing that? Is because it stems from us as believers not really understanding our role in this world. Can I hear a good amen today? And here's what I want to do. I want to awaken that leader that is within you. And see, many of you are leading right now, but you don't really consider yourself as a leader. Many of you are leading right now, but you know what? You don't really see yourself that way. And as I look at the state, as we look at the state of the world, I think a lot of us don't realize that we have been called into the kingdom for such a time as this. Do you know that God could have put you any time in history? He could have put you when Jesus was alive, right? He could have put you back in the 50s. He could have put you any time in history. But guess what, my church family? He put you here today. And you know why? Because he puts you strategically because you are here in the kingdom for this time. God knew that the world would need what you have at this time. Can I hear a good amen today? And that's why he puts you here. You are strategically placed. And I love this because you know what? The world needs what you have. The world needs what you have. What God has placed inside of you, the world needs right now. So don't despise you. Don't despise your life. But I want to awaken us to the awareness that God is calling us to lead. God is calling us as his children to step up. Can I hear a good amen today? Come on. Now, if you have one person looking up to you, you're a leader. If you have one person, one person that you have influence over, you have a child, you have a kid that looks up to you, that's what makes you a leader. You know, they did a study and they found out that the shyest person, I was on Instagram last night and I was looking at this person's Instagram and I think introverted people are interesting people because this person put on her headline, I'm an introvert. But then when you looked and you scrolled down, there was like a thousand selfies. Uh, like I, I would just scroll and I was like, wow, introverted people. Now, if you look at mine, I, I'm just not a selfie person. As a matter of fact, I posted a selfie and my family just went crazy. Like, yes, you posted one. Like, I'm just not that selfie type person, right? And I had a mask on and I had a hat on. And the whole purpose of it was when I took it, I was like, you know, if I would have walked into a bank with this mask on, you know, like, let's just say three years ago, I probably would have got arrested, right? But now it, at that time, if you walked in without a mask, you probably would have got arrested, right? And so that was it. But it wasn't really a true selfie. It was just, it was just that my family was like, yeah, but this person was like, you know, I'm just an introvert. And I was like, okay. So I was scrolling. I was like, not even a picture of her, like in her dog. She was in every picture. I mean, not even like with her friend, not even with like, you know, a family member. I was like, put your dad in there or something. But you know, the statistics said that the shyest person in their lifetime will influence about 10,000 people. That's, that's the leader. And sometimes we don't really realize that God is calling us to lead. And here's the great news today. The great news is you can be a great leader, not just an average leader, but you can be a great leader. And here's what I want to do today, because I want to break this down a little bit. And I want to give you today what the secret sauce of leadership is. How many of you like the secret sauce, that ingredient? And it's something that we don't really talk about a lot, but not many really people talk about it. But Jesus did. How many of you know, even though a lot of people are talking about it, if Jesus talked about it, it's important. It's important. And here's the secret sauce of leadership. See, you can lead because you can follow. And what qualifies you to lead is your willingness to follow. Here's the truth. Great followers make great leaders. Great followers. So, this is interesting because the effectiveness of my leadership can only be to the extent and the willingness that I am willing to follow. And so, you know, to, in today's world, there's a lot of emphasis on leadership. Everyone's like, yeah, be a leader, right? We're going to be a leader. But there's little emphasis on actually following, right? If I were to say today, hey, let's go to a leadership conference. Whoo, leadership conference. All right, but you know what? We're actually not going to go to that. We're going to go to a follower conference and we're going to learn how to follow, huh? Yeah, we're going to learn how to follow better. No, what? No, I, I want to be a leader. But here's what Jesus taught. Jesus actually taught we have to first learn to follow before you can lead. Come on, can I hear a good amen? Because here's the truth. And if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. How you follow is actually how you lead. How you follow is actually how you lead. 
Do you notice how Jesus recruited his disciples? They were fishing and he walks by and here's what he says. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That word make you isn't like take your arm and put it behind you and go, Jesus is going to go, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Jesus, what is a fisher of men? I don't even know what that is. That's not what he's talking about. That word make means he's going to mold them. He's going to mold them. And so what's interesting is yet they step into their ultimate purpose, but stepping into their ultimate purpose of being fishers of men was contingent on their willingness to follow Jesus's lead. You know, in the book of Acts, it talks about the disciples turned the world upside down. They turned, the Bible says in the book of Acts that when you looked at the disciples, a lot of them said, these are unlearned men, but you know what? They had spent time with Jesus. They'd spent time with Jesus. Because, see, the truth is, who you follow does make you. That's why Jesus said, if you will follow me, I will make you. Jesus turned regular fishermen, and he turned them into world leaders. My church family, we are still reading about them today. We are gathering together. They are in the word of God, in the Bible. And today, we're reading about a bunch of normal fishermen, ordinary people who God made extraordinary. And you know what it was? It was their ability and willingness to follow. Is this good this morning? Did you ever look at the people that... Did you ever look at the people that Jesus chose? I mean, did you ever, did you ever think about the, the, the people that God used in the Bible? Many of them had weaknesses. How many of you have weaknesses? Come on, let, let's be honest. Come on, you can say in the church. Come on, turn the camera and show everybody who has weaknesses. No, I'm kidding. Who has, we all have weaknesses. And you know what? A lot of the people that he chose were very insecure. Very insecure. But I was thinking about the people that he chose. Think about Noah, right? Noah. Does the Bible say this about Noah? Noah was an incredible oceanographer. He studied the oceans. Therefore, he built the first cruise liner called the Ark. Uh-uh. You know what the Bible, you want to hear Noah's resume? Noah walked with God. Noah followed God. And as he followed God, God gave him such a creative idea that something had something that no one has ever done before. You're going to build a boat. What's the boat? Well, you need to build a boat because it's going to rain. What's rain? He didn't even know. But you know what? God gave him the full dimensions. Today, we have the Disney Cruise Liner. We have all of these boats. Why? Because Noah followed after God. Come on, somebody. He didn't have to know everything. He just had to know how to follow. I was thinking about Moses. Moses, you know, the Bible says that uh, during the burning bush, God says, hey, Moses, I want to use you to be my mouthpiece. I want you to go before Pharaoh, and I want you to talk. And Moses like, God, I stutter. God asked a man who stuttered to be his mouthpiece. Isn't that amazing? And you know what Moses had to do? He simply had to follow. And the Bible says that when the children of Israel came out, because Moses led them out, the Bible says that he, God didn't take them the way of the Philistines because that would have been a shorter route to the promised land. He actually took them the way of the Red Sea. And Moses is like, God, uh, we could have went that way, but you know what? Now we are trapped on the Red Sea. And God says, stretch out your hand, Moses. Stretch out your staff. And when he stretches it out, the, the Red Sea parts and the children of Israel walk on dry ground. Why? Because Moses was a good follower. What about Gideon? Gideon was an insecure guy. The angel shows up. He's talking to an angel. And the angel says, look at you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, "Uh, what you talking about, Willis? Who are you talking to? I don't know. He says, I'm talking to you. He says, you're a leader, Gideon. He says, "Uh, no, where are all the miracles? It's funny how we'll ask, hey, where's the leadership? And God's like, why don't you look in the mirror? Where are all the miracles? God's like, why don't you look in the mirror? Why don't you extend your hand? Why don't you use the name above every name, Jesus, and pray over people? This is what Gideon was saying. And you know what? God says, I'm going to use you to overtake the Midianites. And you know what? Gideon's like, all right, I need some signs. God shows him what he needs. But you know what's amazing to me? Gideon stands up. And you know how many people follow this little insecure guy? The Bible says 32,000 people get behind Gideon. 
Isn't that amazing? One person gets up, one person's life that can make a difference, and 32,000 people were ready for someone to lead, and God used an insecure guy like Gideon. And the Bible actually says that God says, no, Gideon, we're going to whittle that 32,000 down to 300. And Gideon's like, what? Now, you know how many Midianites there were? There were 135,000 Midianites. So you think about 135,000 Midianites, and then uh, against 32,000, I mean, still the odds are not against you. God's like, no, I still, the odds are against you, but God's like, Hey, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to still whittle that down to 30 because if I don't, you're going to think that you won the battle, but actually the way you're going to win this battle is you're just going to follow my plan. And you know what the plan was? They got some pitchers, they got some torches and the Bible says that they broke the pitches, pitches, the pitchers. And when they did that, the, the enemy turned on themselves because they thought they were outnumbered. And guess what? God won the victory. And my church family, Noah, Moses, Joshua, Gideon, can I tell you, on their resume, you probably wouldn't pick them as leaders, but God did. And you know what was consistent about their resume? You know what was it that made them incredible leaders? Is they followed what God said. And I'm telling you today, you can be a great leader because you can follow. And I want to tell you, my church family, I would rather have a faithful follower, right? I would rather, even on our staff, I'd rather have a faithful follower than the most gifted and talented staff member. I'd rather have steady Eddie, come on, than talented Tim. I'd rather have steady Eddie than gifted Gary. Come on, somebody, because I'm going to tell you why. A lot of people, what happens is when they are so gifted is they think that their gifting gives them a license to lead. And you know what? It's not your gifting that gives you the license to lead. It's your willingness to follow that is the criteria that allows your leadership to rise. Can I hear a good amen today? I was talking to a friend and uh, we were talking about some pastors this year. You know, it was hard for pastors. Pastors love people. But, you know, we were talking about some friends that we knew who this year pastors who've fallen away. They're not even in the ministry anymore. And my church family, can I just be honest with you? It wasn't their gifting that caused them to fail. It was their failure to follow when they were supposed to follow that caused them to fail. Now, I'm all about gifting. I'm all about talent. Man, we have some talent on this stage in gifting. And God says that we're, we're supposed to value that and we're supposed to be devoted to it. But I'm telling you, that's not the criteria for leadership. The criteria for leadership is being a person who's willing to follow. Can I hear a good amen today? And here's the cool thing. You can follow. You can follow. I mean, Jesus was the greatest leader to ever grace this planet. And you know what? When Jesus was asked what he was about and why he came, right off the bat, you know what Jesus said? I'm not here to do my own thing. He said, I'm here to follow the will of my father. And I believe the reason we see a lack of good leadership is because we have the misconception that leadership is about just doing whatever I want. I had a person tell me, you know, I'm just not good at the school thing. I don't want to go to college. You know, I don't like sleeping. I don't like getting up early. I'll just start my own business. And I said, well, that's cool. But see, you may not want anybody telling you what to do. But when you start your own businesses, you start your own business, your customers will tell you what to do. There's always somebody, come on somebody, there's always somebody who's going to tell you what to do. Well, you know, I just, at some point we have to learn how to follow. So watch this, a person who's just doing their own thing, what are they following? They're just following their own feelings. They're following their own perspective. And who or what you follow determines how you lead. But this is actually the opposite of how Jesus led. Jesus didn't lead that way. Jesus led, he said, you know what, I've only come to do the will of my father. Pastor Phil, I thought Jesus and the Father were one. I thought that Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit were all one. They are. But you need to remember, Jesus came as our example. And the Bible says he made himself of no reputation. Why did he do that? Because he was showing us how to follow. He was showing us how to follow. And Jesus was the one that demonstrated a good leader is actually a good follower. 
a follower. And a leader doesn't come to serve his own needs, but comes to serve the needs of others. Let's read John chapter 5, verse 19. Here's Jesus talking about why he came. It says, Then Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. Remember, this is Jesus talking. But what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. So watch this. So who I follow... I become like. So who are you following? Are you following fear? Because if you follow fear, you'll lead in fear. And fear is contagious, my church family. Just like faith is contagious, fear is contagious. Who are you following? The guys at work who all their marriages are not going well and they're telling you how to have a great marriage? Who are you following? Because I'll tell you what, if you follow that way, you will lead your family that way. And so I, we have to analyze. I, listen, before I take people's advice, I look at their life. I don't care what people are posting on Instagram. You know, a lot of us are following, in, you know, influencers. My wife follows influencers on, and they'll take, you know, they, they, ter- they take certain objects or certain things and, and that they'll buy and they'll go through them. And, you know, they, they kind of like critique, you know, we bought, you know, some utensils and some forks because an influencer uses those forks. And okay, they're cool. But you know what? I, and I'm not against that, but here's what I, I am saying. You have to be careful who you follow because I've seen now, you know, a lot of us follow celebrities and then they'll come out and they'll say, you know what? My life is destroyed. I'm, I'm depressed and all these things. And my church family, who you follow, you will lead like it affects your life. Can I hear a good amen today? And so here's what Jesus is saying. Watch. Jesus is saying, I so follow the Father. Watch. If you see me, you see the Father. I'm so in step with my, I didn't come to do. Now, how many of you know it's Jesus? He could have said, I'm here to do my own thing. You know, I'm going to be crucified in two weeks. Disciples, you wash my feet. I ain't washing your feet. But you know what he did? He became an example for us. To the point, listen to this. This is what Jesus was saying. I'm following my father to the point you see my father in my actions. He was telling the disciples because the disciples were saying, show us the father. And Jesus is like, look at me. Because if you see me, I'm following so in step with my father. You see me, you see the father. Verse 20, for the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Everybody say marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives life. Aren't you thankful that we have a father that gives life? Come on, somebody. He gives us life. Yeah, you can give him a good round of applause. He gives us life. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. Verse 23, watch this. That all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. All should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent them. Write this down if you're taking notes. According to verse 43, the follower gets the same benefits as the leader. Jesus said, if you honor me, you honor my father. If you don't honor me, you're not honoring my father. What do you mean, Pastor Phil, the follower gets the same benefits as the leader? I want to tell you something. It may not be like that at your work, but in the kingdom it is. Are you ready what Jesus says to you and I? I knew I had to put a scripture right here because some of you would go, what do you mean that the follower gets the same benefits as the leaders? This is what Jesus said in John 17, 10. He said, all I have is yours. Let that sink in for a minute. Jesus is saying, everything I have is yours. All you have is mine and all the glory has come to me through them. Listen to this, my church family. God gave you himself in Jesus. There's scripture after scripture that God says he's blessed you with all spiritual blessings. All, everybody say all. In Spanish, that's todo. All. Now, let me tell you another thing about this scripture. You and I are not going to spend eternity, right, in some Airbnb away from heaven. You and I are going to spend and live where God lives. So the follower gets the same benefits as the leader. 
So there is benefits to following. Can I hear a good amen today? And here's the cool thing. There's not one person that's watching online today or in here that you can't follow. You can follow. Whether you're building your business, whether you're building a family, whether you're building a marriage. You know what? And let me just kind of break this down because this really means a lot to me today. Because nobody really talks about, about this. You know, you know, me growing up, and some of you have heard this story if you've been in our church a while. But me growing up, number one, I never met my real dad. Don't know what he looks like. I heard probably about two years ago that he had passed away. So I had a lot of concerns going into marriage because when I was adopted, my, who I call my dad now, right, uh, he didn't do too well in the marriage to my mom. And we have a great relationship before he's now passed on. We, have a great, we had a great relationship the last years of his life. I love him, and I'm not harboring any unforgiveness. But I want you to understand this because I, I like in our messages to show you how the rubber meets the road in our lives. I was very concerned going into my relationship with my wife, number one, would I be a good husband? Because my father, who I knew, not only, uh, not only was he not a good father to me in terms of he never, he wouldn't come home. We couldn't find him sometimes. Um, there was, there was physical abuse in my life. You know, I, I, I would get an F and, and, you know, I'd bring it home. And I was, I was, a, I was a dirty little scoundrel. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. I was a rotten sinner when I was, and I, I sinned, right. And I did horrible in school. And when they, you know, I'm going to be honest, when they'd give the, the, the report card to my dad, I mean, I had like all Fs. I didn't care. And how I many you know F is not for fun. Come on somebody, right. F is not for fun. But I mean, my, we believed in giving the rod and spankings. I got spankings and we had a paddle that said and had Jesus carved into one side of the paddle and then loves on the other side. So every time he would beat my booty, man, I, I'm telling you, the next day I'd pull down my pants and I saw Jesus loves me on the back. Come on, somebody. And you know what? Now, that's why I don't even have a booty anymore because it's gone. It's just, it's just gone. But sometimes I'm going to be honest with you. My mom would have to come in because my dad would be beating us and punching us and she'd have to say stop and stop. And not only that, but he didn't do too well with my mom. There was some issues. He was a pastor of a church that we were serving at and they went through a divorce. And what's interesting to me is I was concerned how I would do. And then I met Valerie Rodarte, my beautiful wife. And we sat down and we had these conversations. And she came from this beautifully healthy relationship. Her parents were still together. She's right here. Val, wave your hand. Right? I mean, she's just, she's just so amazing. And she would tell me how, you know, the things and how her parents lived and how her parents, you know, put her through college. And I'm like wow. And then, you know, and how many people she dated. I mean, she's like only dated like two people her entire life. And then she asked me like, how many people have you dated? And I'm like, I can only remember like 56, you know, I mean, come on somebody. I was like dysfunctional. I love this because at church, everybody's snow white, like everybody's snow white. You're Snow White at church, but I'm going to get on your Instagram later. I'm going to check you out. I'm going to check you out. Snow White here at church and then on Instagram. like, hey. Come on, somebody. Showing the Grand Canyon. You, you know what I'm talking about. I was scared. Scared. I was scared. Because here she was, and I knew she was the girl for me. And I didn't know how I would do being a husband. Because I, listen... I didn't have somebody that I could follow that set a good pattern in my life. Now, God did a lot in my dad's life, and I, I, I appreciate it, man. He really turned to the Lord, and, and, and God restored that. But I was really, really scared. And then she was pregnant with my son, Gavin. And I'll never forget the day we were at the hospital, and she was in the operating room. She was in the delivery room. And they wheel out on a cart this little, like, purple smurf, right? And he's got like a beanie on. I was like, and, and I looked, I didn't even know. And, and, and I looked at the nurse. I was like, is this mine? I didn't know if it was a boy. Or I was like, is this mine? She's like, yeah, that's yours. I was like, we just gave birth to a ghetto smurf. And there he was. Ah! And I don't know how many of you parents, if you're being honest, the first time you see, I mean, I, 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 let's be honest, your kids are ugly when you first see them. They're purple and, and they have a cone head and they have a beanie on and, and you're just like, and, okay, I'm going to love this. But I don't know how many of you felt this, but you feel this pressure. Like, I got to take care of this thing. 
How, how many, come on, how many of you know that? Or all of you were like, yeah, I got this down. I was like, Jesus, you need to help me. And the, I was scared, man, because I didn't have the pattern and the protege of someone that I could say, yeah, my dad, and we, you know. But here's why this message means so much to me. Because here's what I've learned. Even though I didn't have the pattern that I saw, I could follow the perfect father who loved me unconditionally, who showed me discipline, and it was always perfect. And if I could follow my heavenly father, then I could rightly lead my family. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen? And you may not have the pattern. You may have come from things where you're just like, and I get it. But listen, don't make that an excuse because I want to say again today to you, you can follow. There is a pattern of a great husband. Jesus is the great husband to the church. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen? And we have a father. Listen, uh, uh, listen, because sometimes when, see, when people would talk to me when growing up because I had father issues, when people would say the word father, I couldn't even pray the word father when I, ha- I had so many issues. If you said father, I would like start to twitch like father. I mean, I had issues. But you know what? He loved me anyway. And here's, here's the great thing. He's perfect. And even though I came out of abusive situations, he loved me completely. And I want to tell you, we have a God that does discipline us. But he disciplines us with all love and he does it with mercy and great. Can I hear a good amen today? And so here's, watch this. I, I, I came to this conclusion. If I could follow God, I could lead my family. If I could follow God, I could be a great husband to my wife. Because the standard is not my past. The standard is not what my experience. The standard is God. I want you to say this with me. Say, I can follow. Come on, say it loud. Say, I can follow. And my church family, who you follow makes you. Who you follow, watch this, by following him, he fathered me. By following him, he fathered me. And you know what? Now that's the pattern I follow. Oh, I'm not perfect. Oh, I'm really not perfect. But you know what? I've learned so much from my heavenly father. Anybody agree with that today? And you know what? When my heavenly father's characteristics are in me, I become the leader that my son needs. I become the husband that my wife needs. And maybe the pattern in your life has not been good, but I can tell you there's a new pattern. You can break the cycle if you're willing to follow our incredible God. Come on, give him a good round of applause today. Are you glad you came to church? Well, you know what? It's interesting because we can base our perspective of God the Father on how our Father treated us. A lot of people do that. And some people don't know better. They just don't know better. And so people today base their perspective of who Jesus is by the experience that they have with you. Who? I switched that around. Man, Phil, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of energy. A pressure that people, when they experience me, they could experience Jesus. Yeah. Can I just dwindle away all the pressure? And can I make it real simple? Don't worry about that. Just put your energy into following God. And if you follow God, you will lead people to Jesus. Did you get that? When I follow God, it's almost like inertia happens. I lead people to Jesus. Just like Jesus said, you see me, you've seen the Father. And you know what? Being a great leader is the byproduct of being a great follower. This is why Paul said, watch this, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I follow Christ, this is why we read his words, the great apostle Paul, and God did so many things through him. Was it just because of him? No, it was because he made a decision to follow Christ. And here's the criteria for his leadership. Follow me to the extent that I can follow Jesus and I'll follow him. Now, I want to go here for a moment because 
Jesus tells us that we are to be leaders as, as, as his children. He tells us this is our role. We have to step up. Matthew chapter five, verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light. You are the light. And I could just see people listening to Jesus when he's up on the hill and he's saying, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light. And them looking at Jesus and go, wait, 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 hold on, Jesus. You're the salt. That's why you're here. You're going to overthrow the Roman government. Not, not us. Uh, we're the light of the world. And Jesus is like, you know what? I'm empowering you to be the salt. I'm empowering you and I'm going to be the light that's in you that is the light of life that's going to shine through you. Can I hear a good amen today? But for that, for us, salt may not mean a whole bunch. Now, salt means a lot to me because I'm a saltaholic. All right, I'm just going to be honest. You're hearing all my faults today, right? The Bible says, confess your faults one. I'm just confessing. I am a saltaholic. But when Jesus is saying you're the salt of the earth, that may not mean a lot to us. But in biblical times, salt had such a value. Do you know that this is where we get the word salary from, salt? Because some of the Roman soldiers, it was so valuable, they would actually be paid with handfuls of salt. They would be paid with handfuls of salt because salt, as you and I know, brings flavor to food. Can I hear a good amen today? I don't get offended often, but if you don't put salt on my french fries, I'm offended. Come on, somebody. I'm not eating bland food. And I don't know what it is with California food, because where we grew up in El Paso, Texas, oh, there was food and it had flavor. Come on. How many of you know spice is nice every once in a while, right? And so the other day, me and my son always arguing who has the best French fries. I'm going to stick with McDonald's, and he is Chick-fil-A, right? Chick-fil-A. How many of you would say McDonald's has better fries? All right, some of you don't want to admit you eat fries. Uh, how about grass-fed, gluten-free fries? Let me see that. <laughs> how many say Chick-fil-A has the best fries? Oh, gee, they're, they're with you, buddy. Well, I'll tell you what. I went through Chick-fil-A yesterday. Put a nice fry in my mouth, and there was waffle, and it had no salt on it. Now, I'm going to tell you, salt means a lot to me. My wife laughs, but I actually have salt packets in my glove compartment for days like that because I want flavor on my food. Can I hear a good amen today? Because salt enhances the flavor Right now, watch Jesus was saying that us as Christians and as his sons and daughters, we add flavor to this world, that the joy that is within you, the peace that is within you should bring flavor to this world that without Christians in this world, it would be bland. But yeah, amen, amen, amen. So we should live our life so full of flavor. People are like, man, I want to have you around. Right. And here's another thing that salt does. I think this is so powerful because salt actually preserves. It's a preservative. And in those times, the biblical times, they didn't have electricity. They didn't have solar panels on some solar. They didn't have that. So, you know, <laughs> I keep getting called. Once, I have solar. Leave me alone. Well, do you have? Stop. I was going to say a really dumb joke, but, but I'm not going to say. No, it's not truly formulated in my brain. I was going to say something like, I don't need solar because I have Jesus and he's the S-O-N, something like that. That was dumb. But anyway, I'm sorry. I have ADD. So sometimes when I'm thinking of stuff, it just, it just pops out and it's not really good. But if you put more in the offering, you'll get funnier jokes. All right. So anyway, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But here's what's interesting. In those times, they put salt on meat to preserve the meat. And what Jesus was saying, and I want you to hear this, my church family, because this is important. He says, your presence in this world is a preservative to non-believers. And your life, and in the influence that you carry, as he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, you have a world, you have a sphere of influence. And God says, in that sphere of influence, you are salt. You are preserving people's lives. I've heard non-believers say, man, this is like hell on earth. Man, and I think about, you know, they don't understand what 
hell on earth is because they don't understand what hell really is. My church family, the worst thing about hell is not the constant weeping because of the intense pain and the gnashing of teeth because of intense pain. That's not the worst thing about hell. Listen, the worst thing about being in hell is there's absolutely no presence of God. No peace, no joy. But see, this is what's the best thing about heaven. The best thing about heaven is the presence of God. Now watch this. See, what people and unbelievers don't understand, and I think we don't understand as Christians, they may not believe, but they have some sense of the presence of God because you're in their life. Can I hear a good amen today? And so when you come into their life, They have some sense of joy, some sense of peace. Why? Because you're the salt. And that is preserving their lives. When you have conversations at work and you're talking and you're upbeat and you're encouraging, you know what, my church family? They're experiencing some sense of God's presence, some sense of heaven, because in hell there will be not one believer, not one ounce of the presence of God. But you and I, as the salt and the light, are holding back darkness in people's lives. Can I hear a good amen today? I know I'm passionate about this. But the Bible says that Aaron stood between the living and the dead in the Old Testament. And I believe we're in a place like that where people are hurting. People need to hear the good news of the gospel. And here we come in and we don't understand that we are leaders. That God is calling us to step up and step out. And all we have to do is follow him. And we can change the world, my church family. But I want to close with this today. For us to be and step into what God has for us, we got to solve something. We have to address the authority issue. Because I couldn't follow well because I had an issue with authority in my life. And I want to tell you, it was because of all the, the bad authority that I had seen in my life. But can I... And some of you understand what I'm talking about. Some of you have had people in in their life misuse their authority. Now, I want to say something because I think this is really powerful. I want you to understand that the people in your life who were misusing their authority were misusing their authority because they weren't following Jesus well. And we can make a decision that either we're going to be like them and have an excuse or we're not going to be like them and make a conscious decision that, you know what, I am going to follow well, even if those didn't. And when I talk about coming under authority, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about coming under God's authority. Because here's how you lead. You lead by following, but here's how leaders have authority. We don't talk about this a lot, but Jesus said the only way that you can have authority and as a believer walk in authority is to come under authority. And I'm talking about coming under God's perfect authority who he's perfect in his judgment. He's perfect in his love. Come on, he's perfect. He is the perfect leader. Now, if you can't follow the perfect leader, you ain't going to follow me because I'm not perfect. But here's what I have found, that if I can follow Jesus who is perfect, because there's a lot of us in this room, we can work for people who are not saved. We work secular jobs and we see the authorities that are above us. And man, they misuse their authority. But can I just say that if you will follow God well and his authority, he will show you how to deal with those who misuse their authority. Can I hear a good amen today? Just like David, he could have killed Saul in that cave. Saul was the king. David was the next king. You know what? He could have stabbed him, but he didn't. You know why? Because he honored God first. So he just took a little bit of his robe just to show, hey, man, I could have killed you, but I want you to know something. I'm still honoring your authority, even though you're bad authority. Now, I'm not saying that that means that we stay in bad relationships. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is we have to come under the authority of Jesus, our God, the King of Kings. And here's what James says. And I'm going to invite uh, uh, some of the worship team to come up to help me with this altar call. In James chapter 4, verse 7, this is what he says. He says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. 
be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning. Isn't that what he does? He turns our mourning, in, he turns our beauty into ashes. And then it says, and let your joy, uh, and, and your joy to heaviness. Look, and then verse 10, it says this, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Here's what's cool. I don't have to lift myself up. I just have to follow well. Because when I follow well, God will lift me up. Now I'm going to tell you what the epitome of humility is. Humility is not, now hear me my church family, humility is not, oh I suck, oh I just, you know, I'm just a weakling, I'm just, that's not humility, that's a false humility. Humility is this, I need a savior. Humility is, I'm not my own savior, you're my savior. Humility says, I'm not doing good as a spouse. I need your help, God. And I need to come under your authority. I'm not doing good right now in my finances, God. I need your help. That is what humility is. And the Bible says that when we humble ourselves, now, here's the thing. You can either humble yourself or at some point you will be humbled. I would rather humble myself and say, God, I need your help. And in hard times, as we end this series today, I'm going to tell you something. We need people that will follow after God. Why? So they can lead in this world. And so at the end of the day, as you go through hard times, they look at your life and say, how are you still standing? How are you coming to work with a smile on your face? And because in hard times, we can actually lead because we can follow well. Here's the cool thing. I know who's in charge of my life and it's not me anymore. It's not me. That's why Jesus always said the father, anything that, no, I'm just following the father. I'm doing what the father said, but I want to ask you this question as we close, because see, I believe some of us today, we need to surrender the control. Listen, I hear so many people Well, Pastor Phil, you know, COVID and all this kind of stuff, you know, but God's in control. But is he in control of you? Or are you holding on to control? Are you letting God control your life? And I'm not talking about, obviously, God gives us a decision, but what I'm talking about, are you following him well? Because that, is the connection. That is the key. Let me ask you this. Have you given God control over your insecurities? Are you still holding on to your weaknesses? And God, you know, I think sometimes we talk to God about our weaknesses and I got weaknesses and and God's like, I'm ready to help you, but are you ready to relinquish control? And let me help you. Let me do it. Let me do it. Who's in control of your life? Because watch this. Are you ready, my church family? When he's in control, there's victory. When he's in control, there's process and progress. When he's in control, there's success. Can I hear a good amen today? When he's, yes, I'll tell you what, we work together. We are co-laborers and we're starting our brand new series next week called Built to Last. And we're going to talk a little bit about this. We are co-laboring with Christ. Listen, we're not just working for God. We're working with God. Come on, somebody. We are working with him. But this is what he wants. He wants us to be able to follow well. To be able to follow well today. I want to pray for you. Would you stand today? Are you glad you came to church? Here's what I want you to focus on this week. I don't even want you to focus on leadership. I want you to focus on followership. And what is God asking you to do? What is he asking you to do? You know, this week, and please, I hope you know my heart by now. I don't say these things to pat myself on the back I don't that's not but the other day I don't carry cash a lot I just use a card and but for some reason I had some cash in my my, I was talking with somebody 
And they said, well, I'm going to lunch. And I felt like the Lord said, you need to buy their lunch. Hand them X amount of dollars, just buy their lunch. Okay. I don't, I'm not going to question why. Just took out. And this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about following him well. And it turns out that that sparked a conversation. That sparked, and that's not what I intended for it to do. But, but I'm talking about following him. I'm talking about that's how we lead is we follow well. And I believe that some of us in this room may be frustrated at where we're at in life. And it's not because it's not God is not present. He is. But because you have not surrendered some things in your life. Would you bow your heads today? And I want to pray for you. I want you to take just a moment today and ask yourself this question. Am I following well? What do I still have control of that I need to allow God to take over? That I need to relinquish? Am I still in control of my own insecurities and fear? And what is it? Is God asking me to step into maybe serving? And, you know, I just feel weak. I feel like I can't do it. Let's relinquish that today. Let's not have anything hold us back from following what God wants to do. What God wants to do in our lives. I'm telling you, there's victory at hand. I'm telling you, we need leaders to step up. And it comes back to, God, here I am. Send me. Send me. I want to pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your people. If there's something that you know is on your heart that you feel like you know you got to surrender to God, I'm just going to ask you, just take both of your hands and just lift them high. If it's just one area in your, in your life that you know, you know, Phyllis, is like, I've been in control in this area. It's not working. It's not, I know it's not working because you're in control. You're not following. Therefore, you can't lead in that area. But if today you'll say, God, I cast this care on you. Today, I relinquish this, this situation. I'm tired of trying to handle it on my own today. Lord, I want to follow you. Just like you gave plans to Noah, just like you gave plans to Gideon, you are going to see me through with my family. You're going to see me through in our finances, but I'm going to follow you. Lord, right now, look, you see, see every heart. Those watching online, you see. And so today, Lord, we surrender to you. We surrender anew our attitude, our lives. Here we are. We want to follow well. We don't want people just to see our attitude, our gifts, our talents. We want people to see you. Just like you said, when we see you, we see the Father. When people look at our lives, may they see you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Lord, I pray right now that you touch every heart today. Bring freedom, bring victory in people's lives today. Lord, show them a new version of themselves as they step up, that we are the salt and we are the light of this world. And I pray that this week, Lord, we would give us some divine connections, people, Lord, that we can reach out to, that we can lift up for your kingdom. There's so many hurting people, Father, and yet here we are. We are the salt. We are the light. Move through us. Use us, Lord, more than you've ever have. We give you permission. We relinquish control. We surrender. We say, God, here we are. In Jesus' mighty name. I want to say this just real quick. Today I talked about family. I just felt before we we close that the Holy Spirit would have me pray for dads today. And parents. Father, today I lift up husbands and wives and parents. And Lord, I pray that you would strengthen them. I pray the fear, like I felt, would be relinquished because we know, God, that you're going to show us how to do this. You're going to show us how to be the right father, how to be the right spouse. You're going to show us, and our family is going to be well. Our family is not only going to be well, but it's going to actually lead in the community of what a marriage could be, of what a family could be. Use us, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.